Continuing a series I'm calling Water Walkers. And in this series so far, we've talked about how God is inviting us to something greater, something amazing. But we have to get out. We have to get on the boat. He's strongly urging us to take the next steps. And in the story of Peter walking on the water, we often jump right to that uh, amazing miracle. But there's these events that took place leading up to that miracle. And so in order to get off a boat and walk on the water, you have to get on the boat. You have to say, this is the life that I'm going to live. And this is not, in the series, this isn't salvation stuff. This is above and beyond. This is stepping into a greater life. And, and you don't have to do it. It doesn't change how God feels about you, but it will change your experience of that love. And if we could just get off the shore and into the boat, that opens us up to really experience the power of God in our lives. You can still experience things if you stay put, but man, what, what if we stepped out? What if we did something that most people are unwilling to do? And as we've talked about in this story, there, these disciples, there was, it wasn't as simple as them just getting on a boat. They were worn out from the, the, them feeding the the. 5,000 or 5,000 plus, there, there was a lot going on. They're exhausted from a hard day's work. And you would think after I've already done so much, I've already experienced so much that I can just kick my feet up and relax. And, and again, that's okay, but I don't want to live off old experiences. I don't want to talk about stuff that happened in 2010 all the time. I want continuous moves of God in my life, continuous experiences, and it's never ending. And those stories are great, and those stories, that, those experiences that we've had in the past really help us, and they help others when we talk about them, but I want everything to just be fresh. I want things to continuously uh, continue moving forward and, and bigger. And uh, so, so Jesus strongly urges them to get on the boat. He invites us into something greater. But I want to back up a little bit because on Wednesday, Andy said something actually that really spoke to me. And I think it, it plays a big role in this story because when we read our Bible many times, we, we compartmentalize everything and we read a story and then we say, man, that was a good story. And then because there's a paragraph or a new title in the, the passage, we kind of treat it like it's a whole separate event. But the, these two stories of Jesus feeding the multitudes, it immediately, and it even says immediately, he, he urged them or, or made them get on the boat. It's not a story here, close your Bible and pick up the story next week. There's, there's a fluidity that takes place there. And in, back in uh, Matthew 14, 20, it says that, so they all ate, they all ate and were uh, filled. They took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. We mentioned that this is talking about 5,000 men. If Some scholars would say that if you include women and children, we're up to 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And God met the need, but he didn't just meet the needs. God is a God of abundance, more than enough. He doesn't want us to just barely get by. He is, there's always more. And he provided something there. There's 12 extra baskets. And now we're going into the story where they have to uh, get in this boat and, and face something. They have to face a storm. And they have a decision to make. They have to say, am I willing to go even further into this? Something greater. We've experienced many things, but God always has 
more, exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ask or think. So are they just thrown out there to experience this and you're just on your own? Or did God, did Jesus give them the provisions that they would need for the journey? There's 12 baskets left over. He didn't just say, well, you're exhausted and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go off by myself and you just got to go figure it out. He provided everything that they would need for the journey, 12 baskets full. And that's the same with us. We have been given everything we need for the journey that lies ahead. And in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. I don't know about you, but I feel sometimes unequipped, ill-equipped, unqualified. I can't step out into this area, but you are a possessor of everything. The complete Godhead resides in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are made in the image of God. God is a creator. God, the power of God that raised Christ from the dead lives within me. He lives within you. It's not just for the super duper Christians. This is something for everyone. He's prepared you for the journey. You have it, but now life and death are set before you. What are you going to choose? These things don't happen automatically. I think we get it in our heads sometimes that if I'm just, I'm a believer and I'm trusting God, that things are just going to work out. Well, we've talked in this series how, yes, they will work out, but that doesn't, it doesn't come without its battles. It doesn't come without its storms. And sometimes we have to realize that a storm is coming, but I'm equipped. A storm is coming, but I am prepared. And we just have to draw near in those moments. You have the power to overcome whatever storm you're going through. Sometimes it's big. Sometimes it's smaller storms, little pockets of thunderstorms along the way. But, but we are going to face things. But the good news is you are equipped to handle it because you're not alone. You are a possessor of him. You are complete in him. What are we capable of? Ephesians 3.20. In the Amplified, it says, Now to him who, by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our higher, highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. If you can even comprehend it in your mind, you're capable of more. God wants more for you, not from you, for you. This life, this kingdom life on earth as it is in heaven is for your benefit. And that should make things exciting. It means, I kind of look at it in my head as a, almost like a game. What else is there? What else could there be? And yeah, I'll stumble sometimes. I mentioned that last week, but man, as long as we can find it in ourselves to draw near to that power and understand that, that we are incredibly, incredibly powerful people. Man, we can get back up. And on Wednesday, we talked about, sometimes I think we can over-spiritualize things sometimes and just say, you know, just draw near, just trust God. And we start throwing uh, really good things, really true things, Bible verses, and we throw all this stuff at, at ourselves and our problem. And whenever I've been in my dark moments, I'm like, I know better and I know it. I have a lot of knowledge, but I need something more. Help me, Lord. And sometimes God shows up in the image of my wife, 
or you, or a number of different things. So we're not meant to live life alone. We're meant to surround ourselves with people. And sometimes we got to quit over-spiritualizing this and look at it and say, God sent this amazing person into my life to help me whenever I can't help myself. I would love to stand up here and tell you that I can, I'm just tough enough and strong enough and disciplined enough to pick myself up whenever things are going difficultly, hardly. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that I could do those things all the time, and I, I do pretty good. I do well in that area. I think I'm, I'm probably I'm pretty proud of myself, to be honest with you, a lot of times. But there are those times where I just can't. And God can show up in so many different ways in our life. So just be open to see that. Let him help you in the middle of the storm. So, so Jesus and the disciples, they just fed all these people, and now they're, they're going on the next journey. The storm is ahead. And in Matthew 14, 20, it says immediately Jesus, uh, 22, I'm sorry, uh, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him. Again, that word, Jesus didn't physically make them go. This stuff doesn't happen automatically. We have to make a, a decision. We have to decide that this is the life that I want to live. And yeah, there's going to be storms ahead, but it will be worth it. God's inviting you to something great. You don't have to. You could play it safe. But in this case, the disciples would have missed out on three miracles. And we have to get out of our comfort zone sometime. Quit playing it safe. That's when we experience a real miracles, the true power of God. If you want to experience the greater things, you have to decide that this is the life you want to live, and you don't have to. But it'd be a lot cooler if you did. Step out. Get on the boat. Fruit grows on the, out on the limb. You can, you can stay, play it safe, but fruit grows out on the limb. There's life, John 10, 10, he, Jesus came to give us life, and that's good, but he doesn't stop there. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. It's up to you. <laughs> Y'all good? So the story continues. In verse 25, Matthew 14, verse 25. Now in the fourth hour, or fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you out on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. This is, imagine this. Imagine just walking on the water, just smooth like glass. That would be a pretty big deal, just walking on, on water. That would be scary. That would be uncomfortable. That would already be a pretty big deal. But it wasn't that, that wasn't the case. There was a storm. The, the storm hadn't been silenced yet. And so uh, I, 
mentioned, I said this on Wednesday and I don't, still don't think it's a complete thought, but it's almost like, okay, we're on, everybody's on the shore, that's cool, but now I'm gonna enlist in the army, get on the boat, very few people are gonna get out and do that side of it, but now we're talking like special forces stuff. You know, the, the, you're already separated, you're already doing something that most people are unwilling to do. But then there's Peter that's willing to just step out. When it seems like real, it was already dumb to get in the boat, seemingly dumb, to get in the boat to begin with. Now you're getting out of the boat in the middle of a storm? That's next level. That's life or death situation. That's where you have to trust. If, he, if, if there was no storm, the worst case scenario would have been he gets wet. He just climbs up in the, in the back in the boat, and he's a little uncomfortable. But stepping out in the storm, that's suicide. This is more than just a fun Bible story. This is intense. Stepping out on the water is scary. Stepping out on the water in the middle of a storm is next level without Jesus. So then he says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. Lord, if it's you. And Jesus says, come on, bro, let's do this. And I think that, again, the storm is still there. How many times do we think, we get this desire, we've delighted ourselves in the Lord, he puts a desire in our heart, and I'm like, okay, Lord, if this is you, make the way easy. Calm the storms, make every door just open, and everything should just be easy. I've done that plenty of times. Lord, if this is you, oh God, oh God, I'm going to delight myself in the Lord. And it's just going to be so clear, so plain on the outside. The difference is we have to be able to see that or be, have that clarity when the storm hasn't stopped yet. That desire, that want to on the inside of us has to be so strong that it doesn't matter what we're facing on the outside because we know. We have this trust. We have this relationship. We know that it might not look like the wisest thing. This might look like I'm going in the opposite direction, but I have to do this. I have to do this. I can't not do this at this point. I've come too far to only come this far. So I'm going to trust there was a, and sometimes these are big life-changing events. So taking a new career path, taking a new job, going, uh, moving across the country, doing all this crazy stuff. But there's even those little moments where we just got to step out and trust that we're going to stay afloat in the middle of some crazy stuff sometimes. The first time I went to, or the only time, uh, I went on a mission trip to St. Petersburg, Russia. We went to... Um, the Bible college there. We did a whole bunch of different stuff, but this case, I was in there, and we were praying for people, we were ministering with people, and I got the, I was, I was praying for this guy through an interpreter. We were there, and it was a really powerful moment, and I got this picture in my head, and I knew that that picture in my head was this man's daughter. He was an older gentleman, she, and I could still see her in my mind, and and. I had never had a word for anybody before. I'd never stepped out in that area. And I'd, I was always afraid that, I mean, you don't want to look foolish. You don't want to miss it. What if he doesn't have kids? What, a number of things were going on in my head. I don't want to look silly in this. I don't want to miss it and maybe cause him to, I don't know, lose a salvation or something. But uh, it's always worst case scenario, right? Anyway, 
We don't believe that. Anyway, so I'm, I'm praying for the guy. I got this picture, and that's it. It was just this picture. I didn't know the rest of it, but I, I just said, Lord, if this is you, the next person that walks through that door over here, I want it to be a young-ish girl, 20-ish girl. Right then the door opens, and this old man walks through. I'm like, ah, oh, it wasn't God. I don't have to step out. Oh, great, I'm not going to look like an idiot right now. But it was something. It just kept coming and kept coming. And I said, all right, I'm stepping out. And, it's, and I, I just I started having these words for him and, and really speaking into his life. And it turned out that he did have a daughter, and that relationship was broken. And it was like the second I stepped out, the rest of the, the, the word for him came out. But it took me... I had to have the willingness to kind of look foolish in the moment. I had to be willing to step out and say, maybe I'll miss it. That's okay. I'd rather step out and miss it than always wonder, could I have said something that would change this man's life, change the trajectory of this man's life? God has something that he wants this man to experience, and he wants to use me to allow that experience to take place. What am I going to do with it? I don't have to do anything with it. And maybe the next person would have come up and done the same thing. But that word, that first time that happened for me was something that, yes, it ministered to him, and it was a powerful moment, but it's, it changed something on the inside of me. I was willing to, to step out of my comfort zone a little bit. And that, that's not a huge thing, but it was something that really changed my life. It, it gave me the confidence to just act on something whenever I didn't have that before. I, a friend of mine is a, a minister... And he got this word in a, a big conference. There's like a thousand people there. And the word that he got, he felt like the Lord was saying, get up and say one word, the. Just the. He's like, I can't get up and just say the. That is foolish. In front of a thousand people? And he just kept, he had to do it. So he got up and he said, I, I have a word. The. And right then, someone in the audience said, jumped up and finished this prophetic word for this giant group of people. And he said that he had this on the way to the conference, this word. He said, Lord, if this is you, have someone else get up and start it. And it was this powerful moment at that conference. And I, I could go on and on and on about these things. We have to be willing to look foolish sometimes and do the things that just don't make sense. There was a time in my Bible college, even the, the local one here, and uh, it was during worship. Lindsay and Jenny were up there singing. And I, I always stood in the back. I like to say, I even do it here a lot of times. I'm just kind of praying and being thankful for what God is doing and what he's done in this place and all that. And so I, I'm in the back, and I'm like, Lord, I know you have a word for people. I know, what is it? What is it? What is it? I'm really trying to force something to happen. What do you have for these students this morning? And it was nothing, nothing, nothing for like 20 minutes of worship, and it was just nothing. And, and I said, uh, it just came to me. That's the word. I don't have one. And so I got up and I told the students that. I said that I, would, I was really trying to force something here to speak over, uh, over the group today. And I, I have nothing. But, and then it started to come to me. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not, 
for I am with you. There's someone in here who has a word. Someone in here has a word for this group. I don't have it. You have it. And you're too afraid to step out. And right then, this lady that's not afraid of anything, the biggest loud mouth in the group said, it's me, it's me. And I'm like, it's not, it's not you. It's not you. She went on and on for like five minutes and I'm like, oh, all right. Praise the Lord. Good. Thank you. But that wasn't it. I'm a lot more tactful these days, but I, that wasn't it. And she looked at me all like she should have. I was pretty offensive. But anyway, so, so I said, it wasn't, that wasn't it. There's someone else here. And you think you just got out of it, but you didn't get out of it. So let's, let's, let's try this again. And this woman that was super quiet all the time would never really talk to anybody. She got up crying. And she, similar to that last story, she got up and said, she really felt like she needed to share something today. But Lord, I want, if this is you, tell Clint. So she got up crying and it, it was this powerful moment where she, she was in her 50s and when she was 18, she had had an abortion and she had been carrying this guilt around for her for most of her, or her entire adult life and she let it out and, and it was this powerful time. We spent that, the rest of that hour, it was like 45 minutes of, of her just sharing and everyone just praying for her and, and it was just so, so powerful. But it started by me being willing to just, I got nothing, but what do you do? And then God, strongly encouraging her to step out and do something that made her uncomfortable. And so they see, these seem like s small events, but they, these are life-changing events. These little things add up to great things. But we have to be willing to step out in all of it. He's there in the big stuff. He's there in the little stuff. Are we listening? Are we willing And so Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you out on the water. And, and Jesus just says, come. Just, that's it. So he got a word, but it didn't, again, just like before, Jesus didn't drag him out of the boat. He didn't plead and beg for him to come out of the boat. He just said, Come. And then Peter had to hike up his skirt. I always say that, but anyway. Step over, put his little toesies in. Oh boy, okay. Step over and start moving. And I think many of us, if not all of us in this room, have had that word. Come. We want the profound, all the stuff, and everything just goes so simple, but Jesus just says, Come. You don't have to, but it'd be a lot cooler if you did. I want my life to require that supernatural explanation. There's no, this doesn't make sense. Just Peter deciding to do it doesn't make sense, let alone him actually walking on the water in the middle of a storm. None of it makes sense. We have to be willing to see Jesus in the storm. See Jesus in the storm. Don't wait for the storm to pass before we see him. He's there. He's with you. 
Because it's real easy to feel his presence when everything's going well. It's not as easy when there's a lot of fear involved, when, when it seems impossible, these impossible situations. Where, where are you? He's there. But we have a choice to see him. So he steps out. He takes a step and another and another. And then in verse 30, it says, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. Some of those, that's, that's the most powerful prayer sometimes, right? Help! Help. What did Jesus do? Well, you lost focus, brother. You decided to, to get distracted. I told you to come. You should have just trusted. And now, clearly, you, you don't trust me at all. And, and so, good luck with that. Good luck. You lost focus. But that's not what happened. Verse 31, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I think we get real focused on that little faith thing. You don't need a lot of faith. His, Peter's little faith caused him to get out of the boat. Peter's little faith caused him to walk on water. Peter's little faith caused him to walk on water in the middle of a storm. Faith isn't the problem. Unbelief was the problem. That's when we start to question that you don't need a lot of faith to step out. You don't need a lot of faith to experience the power of God or the miracles in your life. You don't need a lot of faith for that. But we have to minimize this doubt. That's the harder part. Because you, you can have belief and you can have unbelief at the same time. There's been times where I, I get a, a pain. And I'm like, I believe. But then I Google the pain. <laughs> and Dr. Google says, I am dying. And so, yeah, I believe, but I'm struggling with a little unbelief here. You just got to tilt the scale. I don't think it has to be like, oh, you got a hundred percent, but just a little, mm, you know, like just mm, like that. Mm. And, and it's just, just enough to just tilt the scale a little bit. In Matthew 17, is a, there's a story uh, about a young boy who has epilepsy and his father asked the disciples to heal him. Jesus sent his disciples out to heal people. He gave them the power to trample on snakes and scorpions. And they, the, the father goes to the disciples and they didn't see any success. And so Jesus steps in and in Matthew 17, verse 19, it says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to him, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. There's a lot here, but what is he, what is he saying? Because it could be assumed, I mean, they... They said that this boy was demon-possessed, and the only way to cast out this demon is through 
prayer and fasting, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. He said the reason he wasn't able to see a healing or a deliverance in that moment was because of their unbelief. And the only way to overcome that type of unbelief is through prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. And, and what, so what's the purpose of prayer and fasting? It's to hone in, to ignore what's going on out here. When you fast, you're not fasting to change God. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're fasting to change you. You're fasting to, to when your body's screaming at you to go grab that cookie, whatever it is, you say, no, I'm in charge here. I'm in control. You're not in control, flesh. I'm in control. In prayer and that intimacy and acknowledgement of his presence with you all the time, as you do that, this level of trust starts to build, this, this level of belief. And there's no room for unbelief anymore. The storm's still there. The problem still exists, but you're able to step out in the middle of it because you've taken that time of being intentional, that's what we talked about in the first week of this series, just disciplining yourself, being prepared for something. I know me and my personality, and a lot, many of my problems arise, emotional problems or, or whatever you want to call it, have, have arrived because I feel like I don't have a sense of control. So I've learned this about myself, that the more I can intentionally control, the better I handle the things that I can't control because there's always going to be that. There's always going to be things out of our control that take place in our lives. So the, the more control I have over my life, and that's why I try my best to discipline myself in certain areas with my time. I try to discipline myself in, in fitness-ish. I'm all right. Uh, I, I, uh, with diet and everything. And I've noticed when I, when I lose that control, when I lose that structure, when I lose that discipline, and then the uncontrolled circumstances come, I just fall apart like a $2 suitcase. So what are we doing? There's prayer, there's fasting, there's, there's just real practical things that we can apply in our life. It doesn't always have to be a big spiritual event. Sometimes God's just saying, steward your life. This is a gift. This is a gift. Just you taking your first breath, I mean, just all the circumstances that had to take place just for you to be alive and take one breath, that's just unimaginable almost. And what are we doing? Just living like everybody else, getting upset just like everybody else, allowing life to knock us around just like everybody else. Or could we take a moment and, and have a little structure, have a little discipline? And you don't have to do what I do, but you should do something. We all have different personalities, but, but if we could learn to control what we can control, then when the uncontrollable happens, ain't no thing but a chicken wing. I read, and this was, I think this is just a very small part in this book, but in Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, he was a uh, Holocaust survivor, just terrible. And if you ever want to feel like you your problems are not that bad. Just read that book. You'll feel bad for complaining about things that you're complaining about. But he was in these concentration camps. And, and one thing that really stood out to me is that they, he would break off a little crumb of bread. And because and, obviously there's no control. He has no control in that. But he would break off a little piece, stick it in his waistband, and he would focus on that and say, I can eat this whenever I want. Talk about a storm. But one of the things, one of the tools that he used is I'm going to focus on what I can control. I'm going to prepare for this. 
then we focus on what we can control so when the storms do happen, we can step out on the water. Because of your unbelief, if we could focus on that. And many of the times what I talk about in this church, it's preventative measures. Because as I mentioned last week, when you're in this dark place, you could have all the knowledge in the world, you could have all the tools in the world, you could know everything, but it's not, if, if you haven't experienced it, you don't know, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But when you've been in those really dark places, you could have all the knowledge in the world. But acting it out, that's a different story. That's close to impossible. And that's when God can use the people in your life. That's when God uses this church in your life, the people sitting next to you, your spouse, anything. And what's interesting in the story with Peter, when he starts to sink, Jesus grabs his hand. That means he's already made this journey out to Jesus. There's no turning back at that point. He's already out there. He's in it. And you could look at that as terrifying, as seems Peter did, or you can look at that as exciting. There's nowhere to go but grab that hand and let him pull you back up because he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Will you put Hebrews 13.5 in the Amplified? My, probably my favorite verse in the Amplified. It's halfway through down here. For he, God, himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you, assuredly not. If you ever feel like you're alone in the storm, you're not alone. You're distracted by everything going wrong. It's okay, because we all have it, right? We all have those moments. It's all right. And let God use whatever he needs to use to get through. Don't shut people out. There was a, a few years ago, and we bring this up a lot, but it was a big deal in our life when our son was in the hospital and we didn't know if he was going to survive. And this was one of the hardest things I've ever dealt with in my entire life. Because, I mean, you, you, I could have all sorts of stuff thrown at me and I just deal with it. But your child, that's next level. And what did I do whenever that storm came? Well, a lot of guilt, condemnation. I know better than this. We could, we're supposed to speak to our mountains. We're supposed to, and all the spiritual stuff. And I distance, Laura and I both distance ourselves from everybody. God had no avenue to get to us. Many of you who were here at that time didn't even know that we were in the hospital. It was days of being in the hospital before many of you even knew. And the only reason we, we told that is it was Easter Sunday and I wasn't going to be here. We we're going to have a guest speaker. So I, I had to let everyone know, but I wasn't going to tell anybody. I completely, Laura and I both completely closed everybody off. Now in hindsight, that was pretty, pretty poor choice. But the second we let people in is the second his health made a 180. And we were able, we couldn't help ourselves in that moment. It was a dark time. I'm not trying to have all these sad stories for y'all every week, by the way, but <laughs> smile. I'm just telling you that we, it's, it, we're, we don't always think clearly in the storm. Jesus is right there. Grab his hand. Say, help. I don't know what else to do. Help. 
And that's why I told Laura when I was going through my deal a few months ago, I was like, I can't help. And God used her, my wife, to pull me up. Amazing. This isn't complicated, but it's really hard in those moments. And I, wanna, I, I do want to go back to this story about the, uh, the boy, because just going back to the beginning where we, if we could understand the power that we have, and this is something you've probably heard me say before, but it's important. So it's, this is Matthew 17, when, uh, again, verse 19. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Jesus said to him, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. I always thought of this verse as saying, you just need a little bit of faith. And there's truth in that. It's not not that. But there's so much more to that story because of a mustard seed. What does it grow into? It grows into this giant bush tree thing. It's big, and it's actually a nuisance in Israel. It'll bust through sidewalks. It'll bust, to, to this day, it'll bust through sidewalks, through their streets. It will, it's not going to let anything get in its way of becoming what it was created to become. So mustard seed faith isn't about just having a little bit. It's about having unwavering, unstoppable faith. A mountain is not going to stop me from becoming what I was created to become. It just takes a little. That's true. But I'm not going to let these mountains, I'm not going to allow these storms to take place because I know what I have. The complete fullness of the Godhead is on the inside of me. Am I living my life as if that's true? Or am I living my life like everybody else? Am I fitting in society without even thinking? We're created for more than that. We're created for heaven on earth. It's not for there, then, somewhere, someday. It's to ex be experienced now. And there, it is a journey. We have to walk this stuff out sometimes. But that's the point. This life is the journey. The, this life is the point. I'm not saying that that's not a thing. That's going to be awesome. But why wait? Why wait whenever you get to experience the fullness, uh, the benefits of having the fullness of the Godhead right now? And then I'm so full of that, so full of his spirit that raised Christ from the dead and of his righteousness and of his holiness and, and his blessing and all his promises and everything I'll ever need for life and godliness. I'm so full of that that whenever I walk by people, my shadow heals them. Whenever people are in my life, they're blessed just because they're in my presence because I'm so full and so aware of God's presence. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And this isn't just a fun thing to talk about. It's not just a little Christian quote to say he is there at the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And it's easy to say at the highest of highs, and it's harder to say at the lowest of lows. But even when we're, we're there and it's like, Lord, give me a sign. What is it going to look like? It's probably not going to be the sign you're wanting. This relationship, this conscious awareness of his presence all the time, you're just going to know. There's decisions that we've had to make, big decisions in our life. And it seems if I go this direction, I really feel like I'm supposed to go this direction. Well, in some ways, it feels like I'm going the opposite direction. Whenever I stepped down as the director of the Bible college, that was money in our life when we desperately needed that little bit. I'm going to quit 
that doesn't seem like the right thing to do. But I really felt like I was supposed to move on. We did. And it wasn't a month later that, that Laura was able to get a promotion and a raise, and it made up for all those things. Sometimes the things that we're unwilling to let go, our unwillingness to kind of take a step back, maybe step into a storm a little bit, our unwillingness to do that is keeping us from the abundance. It's our little idol. There's been times where we have $1,000 in our bank account, and we feel like the Lord says, give it all. That doesn't seem smart give it all. And it opens us up. That's not always the case. But man, whenever we're willing just to trust and step out and give and, and just move into a storm, he's not going to let you down. He's right there to pull you back up and bring you back in. Then the calm, the storm will calm. I've experienced it more times than I can count over and over and over. And guess what? When the storms happen, I still have a hard time with that. You'd think I'd learn by now, right? It's tough. The stuff is easier said than done. But we got to keep it real. Let's keep it real. Let's, let's control what we can control. So when the uncontrollable happens, we just hit it head on. Those times when I was kind of undisciplined and letting things go, it, uh, and that stuff knocked me down. There's other times where I have been. The same exact situations could hit me, and I just... It just rolls off like water off a duck's back. Amen. It doesn't affect me at all. Same exact stuff. Very similar things happen. It doesn't bother me. But whenever I'm, whenever I'm intentional, I'm disciplined, and I'm in control, that's when things really just don't affect me anymore. I don't want our church, I don't want me, I don't want you to just live life like everyone else. We're powerful you're powerful. That thing that's on the inside of you. Now, we can't just follow every desire, right? Let's think about this this morning. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll put a desire in your heart. If you're not delighting yourself in the Lord, maybe don't follow that desire. There's a step. Because I have a desire to, I don't know, smoke some crack or something. I don't know. Laura's on the front row and looking at me. Sorry. Well, I'll edit that one. Don't follow that one. Buy a car. I have a desire to buy a car and go into massive amounts. Of, that's so much better than what I said. <laughs> How do I come back from that? Um, delight yourself. Have that relationship. Allow that desire. And if you move forward and, it's, and you're wrong... I think if you're trying, if you're making an attempt, if you're being intentional with this relationship, and even if you miss it, that's, I don't think you're missing it. You're learning. I pulled this up uh, the other night. It was a good Wednesday. Y'all should be there. It was very good. But this is Luke 1. This has always spoke to me so much whenever you're just trying to figure out, what, Lord, what is it? If this is you, what is it? This is Luke 1, verse 1. It says, um, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write an orderly account to you. What Luke is saying here is there has been accounts of these of things over the years, 
and he thought his perspective would be beneficial to people, and so he did it. Why did he do it? Did he sit there and say, God, if this is you, mm, call me out. Tell me to do it. Let's make a big deal out of this. And just pray and pray and pray and fast and fast and all that. No. Verse 3. It seemed good to me. If you've taken time and you've delighted yourself in the Lord and a desire comes up and it seems good, just do it. And you're like, you're making it sound easier than it is. No, I'm not. Don't argue with me. It is that easy. It's, it's, the, the concept is easy. Walking it out can be difficult sometimes. But if you think that, that, that desire, you're wondering if it's God, the best way to know if it's God or not is to go. And I'd rather go and fail than always look back and wonder what if. What if I had done it? What if that was God? No, I'm going to step out and step out and step out. And sometimes I'll sink. And guess what? It's right there. It just takes all this pressure off. It is that simple. I promise you. And when you live a life like that, it will require a supernatural explanation. The world will see what you have. You'll be a walking advertisement for the kingdom because we, the people who know the power that we possess, we shouldn't be living like everybody else. I'm not talking performance. I'm just talking across the board. We should be the happiest people on the planet. We should be walking in more abundance than anybody else on the, on the planet. Joy and peace and love should just be oozing from us. That's what I want Grace Life Church to be known for. The only way we can is to control what we can control. Spend that time. Pray, fast, whatever it takes. And inconveniencing yourself to do those things is a lot less inconvenient than just allowing life to knock us around. Choose your heart. I promise you, I promise you will see the supernatural power of God in your life. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for your goodness, your grace, your power, the fullness of who you are being within us. Lord, I thank you that as we draw near to you and just come to that realization, this this conscious awareness of your presence in our lives, in us, through us, will be those walking advertisements for your kingdom. So, Lord, I just pray that each one of us this week, every day this week, remember this. We are made in your image and in your likeness. We have more power on the inside of us than we can even conceive. So, Lord, I thank you for the call. I thank you that you're telling all of us, come, let's go. And we will experience your power in our lives. So, Lord, we praise you today. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Pastor Clint. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> before we get into the offering, I um, just wanted to uh, t- um, tell you all about a new texting app that we uh, started. If, if anybody got a, a text message on Friday, go ahead and save that number. Uh, to tell you about the worship night, that is Grace Life Church's uh, uh, texting 
um, texting number. So go ahead and save that. If you didn't get a text message, make sure we have your contact information so you can fill out one of the, even if you've been coming for a while and you didn't get the text, you can fill out a connect card just so we can update your contact information with uh, email and uh, phone numbers. Um, <clears throat> even if your husband or, or wife got the text and, you know, um, me and Stephanie don't always communicate the best. Uh, so uh, go ahead and add your phone number to, uh, to, uh, to our list here. Um, if you're listening online, you can text to that number and we will uh, your contact information. And if you attend regular, regularly or if we haven't seen your face in a while, um, we'd like to um, advise you and remind you of worship nights, potlucks, you know, VBS, maybe prayer requests. And we're going to get it more involved uh, throughout the, uh, as we progress here. But yeah, definitely um, let's, get all, let's all get connected, um, fellowship together through that, and um, just stay connected as a church family. And yeah, so we'll, we'll uh, receive the offering. And uh, just going back to Ephesians 3.20, where uh, uh, it says, Now to him, by consequence of his power that is at work within us, is able to do far more than we dare ask, think, or imagine. Um, when we began our giving journey, we imagined getting a sevenfold or hundredfold return on our investment. Um, but what we got was far more than we dared imagine. The emotional, spiritual, and psychological prosperity that we experienced was far greater than, uh, was a far greater return on our investment than any amount of money coming back to us would have given us. So um, uh, we. You can, um, uh, you can scan a QR code and donate, and donate that way or give your offering that way. You can still do all the normal things like gracelifeonline.com, uh, drop it in the box at the back, cash check, and, uh, and bless the church and help get this message in, uh, of grace out to more people. So uh, let's, let's pray for the offering. Father, thank you for everything you have blessed us with. Help us to steward these blessings. Be fruitful with the abundance that you provide. Help us to multiply the grace that you have immersed us in and immersed in us. As a response to your infinite love, we will praise you, we will worship you, and we worship you today with our offerings. Not that you need a hundred bucks, but because you so strongly desire a hundred hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.